I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. It is currently 3.07 on August 2nd. It is 106 degrees outside, which is not even the height of what it's going to be today. It's going to be supposed to be the high as 108. So I shouldn't be saying this, but I totally am. Your Coyotes have beaten the Predators in their first game of five in the play in the plains for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yes, this is some weird stuff, but we have good news and some interesting news coming out of today's game. But before I get into any of that, as always, my worry work partner with me that suffered through this game just like the rest of us, Richie Suave Flores, how you doing? I'm doing terrific. You know what my max heart rate was today during the game? Oh, I should have checked mine. What was it? Yeah, it looks. It says, uh, one, wait, I don't know if that was maxed out during the game, but it was damn close to 100. Damn, damn, damn close to 100 there, especially in the third period. Yeah, I was sitting there. I was telling Scotty during it that I think I lost five pounds, and he asked me if I shit myself, and I was like, very funny. No, I did not shit myself, but I feel like I'm in a fucking sauna because I was sweating balls the entire time. I was dying. Like, I I picked up one point a weighted blanket and put it up to my face because I was so nervous and it was my reaction. It's like a 10-pound weighted blanket and it was folded up into itself. And I picked up the entire thing like it was like a piece of paper and just shoved it in my face instinctually because of me being worried and um i've never been so reactionary in my life everything i did today literally like could be translated into just a bunch of like crazy noises or me be doing weird movements and screaming goal <laughs> yeah it's uh, it was a very stressful time but I, like i said like you and i were texting during the game obviously and I said this and I sent a text to you where uh, um, in response to your text where you said you had lost five pounds because of the stress. I responded to that. I said, I love that we are getting this feeling, though, because of playoff hockey, which is 100 percent true because it's a feeling we don't get very often, which is the feeling of constant stress. But that's a good thing. And like because we almost all of us forgot about it because. At least for the Coyotes, they haven't been in the playoffs since 2012. The Diamondbacks haven't been in the playoffs since 2017. The Suns are an absolute garbage fire shit show. And the Cardinals have been a mess for the last couple of years. So we've been a very stress, stress-free stress environment around here come playoff time for a lot of local teams. So I will take all this stress all over again for the next two months because that means that the Coyotes continue to win. But, but man, yeah, whoo-wee, it got close there, but uh, they held on, got the win 4-3, to three, up one nothing in the series, and we have, we have a lot to talk about because it was a busy, busy game, a lot of storylines, a lot of guys stepping up, and 
for the most part, both of us very correct, except on one occasion where I was very, very wrong. I mean, in in your defense, no one was expecting it. But also against you, I did point out that the man did take time out to rent ice at Ice Den to go and skate on his own, which is, you know, uh, I thought couldn't, and I had said this on, I don't even know, we've been a lot in a lot of places re- recently because of all of the trike news and everything else. Um, but I said on some podcast we were on um, that you can't kind of let that go in the fact that he had that type of motivation and the fact that um, he had that ability to, you know, just he was going into it like full guns blazing. And then the fact that he stepped back, thought about his family and thought about whether he really wanted to go. And then when he decided that he was going to go, it was like, I'm all in that you can't really discount that because of the fact that like, if he had the opportunity, he had decided that he was going to be all in and he was conditioned. And of course, who we're talking about is Michael Grabner, who had the beautiful shorthanded goal that made the difference in this game. Now over the line, Forsberg's got it, but it's taken away. And here's Grabner. Grabner is in shorthanded. Michael Grabner scores! Michael Grabner! Seen that a couple of dozen times, and it's 4-1! Are you kidding me? There it was. That's uh, the call from Matt McCall and Tyson Nash on Fox Sports Arizona. Michael Grabner gets the game winner. And to me, that was my favorite storyline of the entire game, was that right there. And that, because it's something that Michael Grabner has underperformed all season. Michael Grabner was a scratch most of the season. Michael Grabner has not been the same player since he took that awful eye injury last season. And to to have that happen like it did, that's what you want in sports. That's why we love sports is because we get – comeback stories like Michael Grabner did with that goal and it was a beautiful goal man it was perfect it looked like Michael Grabner uh, never missed a beat right what a beautiful backhand it was I so I was very happy to eat crow on that and the reason why I'm eating crow is because uh, I I think I I went on the 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 blue notes podcast you and I did and and I talked about how I didn't think Michael Grabner was going to get any time in this series because he was a healthy scratch. He just wasn't the same player. He he wasn't finishing any of his breakaways like he he did, saw in that game. And to see that today, and I have some sound from from Rick Tockett, which I'll play in a minute. But before I play the the sound from Rick Tockett, where he's talking about why Michael Grammer got into the lineup, I want to get your take on this, which is. When you saw Michael Grabner get away on that and you saw him pick off that pass perfectly because he is so smart in the PK. He knows where to be, where to put a stick in a lane to get those breakaways to begin with. When he broke off and you saw him, he was going to go, did you think he was going to score? I was – well, part of it is my – I am on Hulu, so I have a little bit of a lag. So I got your text that was like, holy fuck or something like that um, right before it. So I already had an inkling, but the man has a lot of speed. And like I said before, the fact that he had the 
wherewithal to rent ice to condition himself beforehand, I what gave me a lot of confidence in the fact that he was conditioned enough to take off with this puck, whether he was actually going to be able to bury it afterwards was a little bit more of a question. But again, I had a little bit more of an inkling because I got your text before he actually scored. Yeah. So I, I was like, Oh, please score, please score. Cause I just, we can't have nice things in Arizona. I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to miss the net. I thought he was going to not come through and damn when he did. And here was Rick Tockett after the game talking about how and why he came to the decision to put Grabner in the lineup and talking about how he's kind of uh, been able to come back from his eye injury. Grabs is um, he's a pro, you know, he's um, he's a pleasure to coach in the sense that, you know, yeah, he, he didn't know if he was going to come, you know, to the last minute, uh, you know, with his eye injury, that's a, it's a tough injury for him. And um, I had a good conversation with him a day or two, and, and you know I'm not going to share what he said, but um, he's just a great guy. Obviously, that's a huge goal for us. But he's ready. You know, he, whether he plays one shift, he plays or he doesn't, he's with the ultimate team guy. And um, you know, the the one thing I just feel bad is is the eye injury. Really, you know, it, it, it it's just a tough one for him. But he he came through. It's I can't imagine playing with, with you know, basically you know one eye just, and what he can do for us too. Um, and his penalty kill was outstanding for us. I think that is another thing that actually needs to be addressed is the fact that he came into this. And so, like, a lot of people might be saying, like, oh, that I keep bringing up the, fa- bringing up the fact that he rented out his own ice and, like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm sure other players did that and, what, and whatnot. But, no, he did that, and he went on to be in the bubble with this team with the inclination that he was not going to be playing. He came in and he told everyone, it's okay if I don't play. I want to be here because I want to be here. And he knew what his worth was locker room wise and his presence just being there, he felt like contributed to the team. So I'm really glad that Tockett brought up the fact that he was there just to be a team player and the fact that whether he played one shift or no shifts, that he was going to be there for his team and it's really beautiful and kind of poetic in the fact that he ended up getting this goal and making such a big contribution into this game when he came into this with the most humblest of um, intentions. Yeah, that t- again, that was the biggest storyline of the game. That was the game winner for the Coyotes. We got a lot to talk about uh, throughout the rest of this this show, um, but let's let's kind of begin with the the first period and how that period progressed because boy oh boy was that not one of the most fun periods of coyotes hockey we've had in a long long time oh yeah i i tweeted out right afterwards this is what we have been looking for for so long there's so many elements of this team that when they come together it's absolutely beautiful the problem is we couldn't ever get them to all consistently play well because this team has a lot of elements they're deeper than people uh believe they are there's people like christian dvorak that you know uh a lot of people don't ever think about played an an amazing game today i think he ended up being um the the number one star um of this game so i there's a lot of things that we knew could work out if they actually played to the uh, the best of their ability. And this first period was definitely that. Um, 
I mean, it started out with that hit by Hall on uh, on Yossi, and that was amazing. That set the tone. It was set a great what? That set the tone for the entire game. That was, oh, on the, that was on the very first shift of the game, and I saw it kind of happened kind of in the corner of the screen away from the play, and I go, whoa, who was that? And then they showed the replay a little bit later. Oh, that's Taylor Hall in the first shift of the game, blowing one of the biggest hits we've seen from the Coyotes all season long. And I'm, So I'm glad you mentioned that because once that happened, you knew the Coyotes were there to play. Yeah, and that was a lot of what, you know, we were missing – at the end of the season during this scrimmage, the scrimmage game we watched against um, the Knights was the fact that they just were not putting that extra effort in and weren't putting bodies. And that was the biggest thing that I think that needed to be the tone setter coming into it. So it was the perfect setup that I think he possibly could have done. And then sometimes you just need a little bit of puck luck and OEL's goal was definitely that it was not necessarily the, um, cleanest goal that you'll see but um i mean yesterday we watched um a traditional butt goal from uh from our our wonderful um old goaltender mike smith so it's not like every goal in the nhl is a pretty one or one that people you know love to rewatch. this is not one that's going to go into the highlights of any of oel's greatest but it's also helped set the tone of um, of this game and the fact that the Coyotes came out strong and came out hot. Yeah, and you know, going back to that that Oliver goal, first of all, much needed from the captain. We talked about on this show how, you know, I thought the Coyotes really all they needed to really kind of get over the hump in this series was that they needed five percent more production from pretty much everybody throughout the lineup. And that would be enough to beat Nashville. And we saw that today. We saw production up and down the lineup from just about everybody. And it started with all of Reckman Larson, the captain setting the tone, you know, midway through the first period. And I walking through that goal again, you know, yeah, they had the lucky bounce, the very, very lucky bounce off of two Nashville predators and going to the back of the net, but that never happens at all. If there's not a loose puck kind of along the along the boards area where all Reckman Larson is kind of in that situation where does he come in, does he pinch there? Does he to try and keep the puck in the zone, or does he kind of step back and play defense? And I was glad to see that Oliver, whose decision making can be lapse, you know, can lack at sometimes, he made the great decision to come in pinch at that particular time to keep the puck alive in the offensive zone he then gets the puck again back near the blue line and he takes that shot which is something that Oliver Ekman Larson has been lacking all season long really because that used to be one of his best attributes is his shot he used to be so good at getting pucks through to the through the net he was a 23 goal scorer just a few years ago and Oliver took that shot, got a lucky bounce, but it was because of his work and his, his you know, uh, leadership, I guess, in a way, for lack of a better term, to be like to take that shot to begin with instead of trying to just dump it in and and go on another try and work the forecheck. And as soon as you, if, when your captain scores a big goal like that, that has to light a flame under your ass, does it not? And it seemingly did for this team. 
Oh, absolutely. And there's the two things in what you said, and, and I felt like you had a great representation of that. And two things in there that really stood out to me is, is one in the fact that you were pointing out like the, the amount of effort that they were putting into their game today, um, as opposed to what we had seen before. Like uh, one of the other things that I had like put out today was the fact that in the, um, in the, uh, the goal that came for off of Krauss's hit, it was um, Kraus had a, a solid hit, which led to frustration from Nashville, and that led to um, them holding and then going on to the power play, which led into that goal. So I think people sometimes automatically think, oh, this is how this goal developed, but you don't ever think back to how did they get themselves into that position? How did they set themselves up for success? And they were setting themselves up for success throughout the entire thing, whether it was the fact that they were making the right choices and putting in the extra effort, or if the other thing that you're pointing out in there that I thought was was great was the fact that you pointed out of being in the in the right place and making the right decisions at the right time. And like in the for the Dvorak goal, it was 100% that he was in the right place for that rebound from Hull shot off uh, that was rebounded off the pads of Sabro. So like, I really think that those were two really key things that came into this first period in particular that led to their goals. And I, I'm really glad that you brought both of those up. Yeah. And in, in those couple of goals you're talking about with Christian Dvorak and Clayton Keller, Phil Kessel got assists on both of those goals. And Phil Kessel was playing on a little bit different line today. He moved up in the lineup to play alongside Christian Dvorak and Taylor Hall on that top line. And Phil Kessel, he had a fire under his ass today too. He was all over the place today for the Coyotes, I thought. Um, he had four shots on goal. He had two assists. Um, you know, he, he had the 18 minutes of, uh, of time on ice. But I thought he played really well, including he had a chance in the third period where he was in the defensive zone and he kind of poked the puck away near the Coyotes' blue line, and he was able to use that to go and create a scoring chance on the other on the other end. And man, oh man, again, you it's just guys who Clayton Keller the same, just just an extra bit of production from all those guys. And it was just enough to put them over the edge in this hockey game, especially in that first period where they went up three to nothing, and then they, you know, had to the unfortunate late goal from Philip Forsberg. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Phil Kessel, Clayton Keller, Oliver Ekman Larson, to see them play like that, and we know how streaky some of these players are too, especially Clayton Keller, especially Oliver Ekman Larson. They're streaky. And to get a start like this in a playoff atmosphere where Clayton Keller hasn't ever seen, you know, Christian Dvorak hasn't ever seen, like that's important because now if they can get streaky and hot now over the course of these, these you know, first couple of games, Nashville's going to be down 2 nothing, and the series is pretty much over at that point. Yeah, I think there was a stat that came out today. I think it was that 82% of teams who win game one in a five-game series win. I like those odds. Um, so, you know, definitely going into this next game, if they can keep up that energy, it'll be massive. But going back to one thing that you had said before about Kessel and the fact that he had played um, his, essentially 
set himself up by playing D and then um, making offensive push with that uh, with the puck in the same motion, essentially. Um, that was actually in the third period, which was the Coyotes' worst period. So it was nice to be able to see him still making good moves in a period that was essentially their worst, considering the fact that he took so long this season to get his stride because of the fact well, I guess he never really, towards the end of the season, got his stride back particularly. This is the first time we've seen his stride back because of the fact that he was injured for so long um, during the season. And then when he came back, he had some um, mental hangups of trying to get back into it. So to see that out of him is good because he he's needed in these next games coming up because they're going to be even bigger than ever, especially because in that third period, you did seem to notice that Nashville started to get back to their old stride and Nashville had a very, it did a very good job of blocking and clogging up a lot of those lanes that the Coyotes needed and their power play was, or not the power play, their penalty kill was absolutely killing it um, for about their last three um, penalty kills that they had. So it, it's definitely going to be tougher. I feel like from here on out, so um, any player that is going to stay, as you said, not streaky and consistent and really putting in the effort that this team needs to, you know, win the series is, is a big deal. And the fact that the Coyotes can't let up no matter how many goals they are ahead in these games, because that that league can diminish very quickly. Yeah, it absolutely can. And, you know, that, I'm glad you talked about that that third period there because, you know, that I think that it kind of shows the metal of this team, I guess, in a way, because this is a team that is full of young players, right? A lot of players who are participating in their first career playoff series. And to have a period where you, you kind of fall flat on your face for the most part. Now, Rick Tockett after the game – mentioned how um, he liked how the last five minutes of that third period went. And he, he basically said how they kind of were able to lock it down the last five minutes and kind of get their feet back under him and, and close out the game. But you look at some of the, the stats here, and you know I love my stats, Corey. So I look at naturalstattrick.com, and I look at the third period here where the Predators – dominated in terms of shot attempts 62% to 37% and scoring chances 55% to 45%. So wasn't the most ideal period in the world, but I wonder if it can almost act as a learning experience for some of these younger players about how they need to play down the stretch of games like this to, to win in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up the shots on goal, considering the fact that, you know, the Coyotes were were above the Preds 14-10 uh, in the first, um, one under the Preds in the second of 13-12, and they were nine under the Preds 20-11 in the third. That is a big difference, and you can feel a big swing there. And you have to wonder if any of this – um, you know, any of the Coyotes staying stronger in the third has anything to do with the fact that there is no um, no crowd, basically, 
because of the fact that when you enter into a third period and within 30 seconds, uh, the predator score to set the tone of that third period, um, if it was at home in Nashville, that would be creating a lot of fan noise and it's hard to drown that out as a player. You have to think it has to help a little bit in the fact that they are their own crowd noise. Their, their bench is their own crowd noise. So um, unless, you know, they're just losing their minds over there, you can kind of tune everything out and basically just reset yourself and focus into this third period. And you have to commend the Coyotes in the fact that they didn't lose focus. It was not a clean period for them by any means. And uh, their amount of defensive zone time was literally almost making me pull my hair out. But for them completely not like, not just completely falling apart is a progression for them because of the fact that when they get into these situations where their um, momentum is, has completely slowed to the point where it stops, they start going in reverse, but they actually fought for themselves for once. And the last probably five minutes of hockey or so was pretty solid from them. Before before we, we move on, I want to switch gears. Are you ready for this, Corey? I'm going to surprise you here. Okay. You're making me nervous. That no, it's good. No, it's just a tweet. We just got a tweet moments oh, ago gosh. as we were recording. From uh, from our buddy Benders with the Habs Nightly podcast now, which congratulations to the Habs, they managed to upset the Pittsburgh Penguins in overtime on I would Saturday like night. To say, watching all of the games yesterday was absolutely banana lands, and like the fact that I got through like basically every single game yesterday. Because even when they like overlapped a little bit, I was still watching like basically both of them. I was even working out while watching a game, which I'm very glad that I worked out before all of this. So like it it basically was training. So that way I could watch a game and work out at the same time. Um, But this is probably one of the coolest things that you could ever do is just spend an entire day watching hockey. And the fact that we're doing this and it's 338 when you would normally be wanting to go to bed after a playoff hockey game. Um, so I just wanted to call that out. That's, a, that's also kind of cool. Yeah. So here's a tweet from our buddy Benders. He says, how about that game, y'all? The Yotes came out flying. Definitely what you guys would consider as panty melting. Oh, panty melting. Ah, he's bringing back up the uh... – uh, the the sockeye books. Yes, yeah. that's what that's in reference to. What? Long time listeners of the Sporting Nation will get yeah. that reference. Oh yeah, that is. Uh, those are some books. I um I I don't even know where to start on that one. That one was episode thirty two ish or something in there. It was in the thirties somewhere. So you know you can always go and and check that out but um yeah it was if it it was definitely panty melting i can't believe i had to say that live on the podcast again um but it it was a good one and it is very phenomenal and i mean i was gonna save this for my Corey's corner and and i I guess i'll quickly kind of just get into my corner but it is phenomenal the to the guys on our network who 
decided to be fans um, of the Coyotes during this time because of the fact that there there are a, a couple loudmouths on our network that just happened to be the Predators um, podcast. And they like to try and dominate everything all the time. And so the fact that when the Coyotes came out and beat the Predators, that there are a lot of us. And I'm not particularly, if I am one of those, if, if you come at me, I will annihilate you. Um, people on the network, I think, know that by now. Um, but I'm not really one to, like, go after you. So um, I, it was very nice to see that they wanted us to get revenge and just annihilate them. Oh, which one of us was supposed to howl? Richie, I totally forgot about that. We were supposed to howl um, at the beginning of our podcast because one of our fellow podcasters did that. And uh, But it, it was very nice to see them coming out of the crevices because I feel like it's always easy to not be the Coyotes fan. You know, I, I understand. We can't have nice things. And so it's not easy. But the fact that it's not easy is what makes it fun. You know, like... The fact that this is the first, like, quote unquote playoff, I don't know. It's it, that's that whole thing's a, a gray area too. They keep on calling it like play, playoffs stats, but then they call it the qualifiers for the playoffs. It's that's its own topic. But the fact that you know it's been since the 2011 2012 season that we've seen anything of playoffs. The in the fact that. It, People are rallying behind that is beautiful. And thank you to all of our guys on the network that are supporting the Coyotes and seeing love from around the NHL for the Coyotes is just beautiful because of the fact we don't see it very often. People just kind of love to hate us, I feel like. And um, for those of you that want to take the Rip and Biscuits side of things and Rip and Biscuits, fuck you. And that was this week's edition of Corey's Corner, presented by CoolHockey.com. So go to CoolHockey.com slash THPN, enter the promo code THPM, THPN, you get 30% off your jerseys. Great jerseys. Get your Coyotes jerseys, man. Go get yourself a Darcy Kemper jersey. Go get yourself a Oliver ekman Larson jersey. They played great today. And, uh, yeah. And side note, where the fuck were they on Twitter all day? They shut up real fucking quick if you didn't notice. Did, did you notice that? No I tweets. Did. No because fucking tweets from them once once the Coyotes went up three to nothing. Fucking quiet. Nothing. Well, I was literally told before this that the way that they were going to win this game was off of swagger. Swagger, people. Yeah, that was f- what I was told. Swagger told didn't do shit. They they're Southern, which they're not Southern. If, if anyone really knows hockey, you know... That none of the people that are, even if you are in Nashville and you're living there right now, you're probably not even American. You're Canadian or Finnish or Swedish. There's plenty of many foreign. So to say that it's going to be Southern swagger that's going to get you in is preposterous. No fucking way. So when that is your only defense, no wonder why they shut the fuck up on Twitter. Good, because I don't want to hear another lick from them. 
Coyotes with a one nothing series lead. Jesus, ripping biscuits. Yeah, I told you. They owe me 20 bucks. I feel like. So does Isha, too, because I picked the Coyotes to win the series. And right now, like you said, you go up one nothing in a best-of-five series, you're in the driver's seat. So but before we move on, before we get to Dick of the Week, which I'll do in a moment, we have to talk about Darcy Kemper. Like, how good was he again? Right? He had, he had a great game. And, and I'm glad that you, you brought him up because of the fact that I'd like to acknowledge that two of those goals were off of two of the Coyotes defensemen. So you can't count two of those goals against him because of the fact that those were deflections off of them. Um, one of them was Oliver Eckman Larson's skate. When I wa- rewatched that one, I was just like, ah, that right foot. You just want to like chop it off. Um, not really. I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, he had a great game and I've been the proponent for him being the person who starts in this game over Ranta. And I'm really glad that I was pushing that. Yeah. I mean, it was an easy decision to make. He was, he's always been the guy from the start of the season. And, you know, when Rick Taco was asked about him in the post game, he, he talked about how much Darcy Kemper has grown as a goaltender over the last couple of years with the coyotes. He's, he said, um, somewhat quoting him here. He said the last couple of years, he is one of the best goalies in the league. He he talked about how calm he is and how he's learned to be calm over the years. And I think you could, you could see that granted we see lapses in that from time to time with Darcy Kemper, right? When we saw it earlier in this year against the Calgary flames, where he got into it with Matthew Kachuk, we saw it against the Minnesota wild when he started chirping some of the guys, but for the most part, what you expect from your goaltender is that you are calm. And we saw that from Darcy Gemper today where maybe some other goaltenders kind of fold. And that's what UC Saros did today. He, he, he folded for the most part. He folded under the pressure. He didn't play well at all today. His save percentage today was 892. Granted, he had that one goal off of the top of the, the first goal of the game, which was wacky ass. But if you're a goalie, you got to recover from that. And UC Saros did not recover, whereas Darcy Kemper had a 930 save percentage today. He stopped 40 of 43 shots. The 40 shots he stopped was the most shots he stopped all season long. So Darcy Kemper, not the top-line story by any means, but he certainly was one of them. He was one of the three stars of the game as well. Big shocker there. In fact, he was the number two star right behind Christian Dvorak. Philip Forsberg was the number three star. So, yeah, I'm excited. Now, quickly, before we get to to Dick of the Week, do you think that the Coyotes should stick with Kemper for game two and then go Ronta game three? Or would you rather see Ronta get game two and then Kemper game three, depending on how things go? I would like to see Kemper game two because I feel like he has gotten his his flow in, like he has gotten his reps, he's gotten his looks. And so I would like to see a really strong game two because I feel like if game if they win game two, it's setting themselves up for success. So um, then you can put Ronta in and kind of risk the fact that he hasn't gotten the same looks that Kemper has. And, and just in the fact that I, I – just generally have more faith in in Kemper in the fact that um, 
you know, and they're going to have to not always stay with stars. So they're going to have to throw Renee in at some point. Um, so I would hope it would, al- that the, the Ronta Renee game would kind of align. Um, and so if that was the case, I, I would think they would keep continue on with Saros next game. Um, but so I would say Kemper for another game and then Ronta. I, I would agree with that too, because what you can do here is you can basically give the Predators a knockout blow. If you go up two to nothing in this series, it's over because I don't foresee the Predators winning three straight games. If you go up 2 nothing in any series, five-game series, it's so hard to come back and win three straight games that if you go up 2 nothing, then you can kind of afford to put in, oh, and also elite goaltender in game three and then win the series and possibly sweep it. Although after today, I don't think that's going to happen by any means. You know, I still think the Coyotes proved that they're the better team right now and the Predators still have some, some doing to do kind of and some some – they have more things to fix than the Coyotes do, in my opinion. But So that's what I would do. I 100% agree with you. I think Kipper goes again in Game 2. What the Predators do, really, who knows? Really quickly, I, I do, before we uh, end and all this stuff off, I just wanted to take a moment to recognize um, the Coyotes' power play. I know we touched on it uh, gently in the beginning, but I just want to take a moment of appreciation that we can appreciate the fact that the Coyotes had a power play and it was a power play worthwhile. And it was a power play that actually scored a goal and it had movements. And there was a few that had very terrible passing, but there was some that had great passing, great movement and created a lot of momentum in the game. And I, I haven't seen that in a while. And I, I almost feel like I'm actually getting like a little choked up, a little teary-eyed right now because I, I just feel like my newborn baby has gone off to college and I couldn't be any prouder to see them that their power play actually working the way it should and um, graduating to a normal level of society. Yeah, they. in case you're wondering, the Coyotes put up 12 shots on their six power play opportunities, including the one power play goal. Uh, could they have been more successful in actually scoring on those power plays? Yes, but I think you're right. For the most part, the power plays, puck movement, and scoring chances and time in the offensive zone was much better than we saw it, say, at the tail end of the regular season. And that's a big key because we saw how many penalty minutes there were in this game. There were a lot. And, you know, Rick Tockett wasn't too pleased with that at all. Uh, he knows that they got they got to clean that up. Uh, you know, there were 26 total penalty minutes in this game, which is a lot. But that's what happens. And, we always... on, and the too many men on the ice was a bad penalty to take. Yes. Really bad penalty to take. And some of them were by some of the vets, too, that should have known better. Discipline. Always need discipline, especially when you get to that late stages of the games when you have a lead and you don't want to give it up. Which, speaking of, of the veterans real quick, I want to play this one last piece of, of Rick Tockett audio before we get to Dick of the Week. And he's talking about how the veterans were so good today about staying calm, keeping everybody in check, and and it just proves that the leadership on this team is in a good place with Nicholas Jalmerson, who's won a cup, Phil Kessel, who's won a cup, 
you know, Brad Richardson was in the Stanley Cup final with the LA Kings years ago. And here's Rick Toggett on, on that earlier today. Yeah, it's a good point. I, you know, you rely on the Stepons, the Richardsons, OEL, Hammer. Uh, we, yeah, we're, we're getting a little panicky, uh, bad change. We're just flipping pucks out. Um, and then we, I thought the last five we settled down. We didn't give them that much at the last five, which is a good sign for us. But yeah, there was a, they started taking the game over in the third. Uh, we were taking those penalties. Um, but those, those, those four or five guys, the veteran guys, kind of calmed everybody down. And that's perfect. That's what you want from your leadership group. So with that, let's um, move on to uh, Dick of the Week, Corey. Are you excited for this week's Dick of the Week? Absolutely. I, I, I know that your Dick of the Week has been changing as um, situations have been changing. So I'm really excited to hear where you're at on it. And, um, you know, it, it's always nice to get your hear your aggression and let you get it out. Um, I feel like this is very cathartic for you, so I always look forward to it every week. So um, I hope it's just as cathartic for everyone else listening. This is Richie's Dick of the Week, who is... National Hockey League fans who are being jerks toward Matt Dumba. Now, if you did not see Sporty Nation, Matt Dumba took to the ice pregame prior to one of the games on Saturday there in Edmonton. And as part of the Hockey Diversity Alliance, which is a group of black NHL players who have come together to use their platform and the NHL to make the sport more welcoming to people of color, to not only obviously players in the league, but but outside of that, too, to really open up the arms of the NHL to to people of color, to minorities. And Matt Dumba took to the ice, and he, he it was a terrific speech. It was a, a passionate speech. It was a humbling speech that he gave, and it was very important for the NHL to do that because I've been critical of the NHL and how they've handled the Black Lives Matter movement. I feel like they haven't done enough. I feel like they're stuck in the past on these things, whereas the WNBA and the NBA and and other leagues are ahead of the game on this. The NHL is far, far behind. So to hear Matt Dumba step on the ice in a sport that is predominantly white, in a sport where a lot of your fans are predominantly white, in a sport where just days prior – the son of the president of the United States tweeted out a video of your league standing for the national anthem and praising them basically for doing nothing. It was something to hear Matt Dumba step on the ice prior to that game to take a knee during the American national anthem to say black lives matter on national television for hockey fans watching this who maybe have not, for some, have not heard that before, and that will piss them off, which, if that pisses them off, good fucking riddance. We don't need you in our stinking sport. So to hear Matt Dumba say Black Lives Matter, and to hear Matt Dumba say the name of Breonna Taylor on national television, on National Hockey League ice, was very important for the NHL, and it was a very important step. And there were a lot of people out there who were criticizing Matt Dumba. You saw it on Twitter. The racist assholes going after Matt Dumba, going after the NHL. Fuck off. 
I'm happy the NHL is doing this. I'm happy for Matt Dumba. But please, please, I wish there was more support for him in NHL. You need to be better than what you are doing now. The Hockey Diversity Alliance is just a first step. The NHL has a long way to go on this. America has a long way to go on this. But Matt Dumba was just the first step. Absolutely. Good job, Richie. I liked that one. I mean, props to the man, too, for in this situation where he is just trying to um, get through his own part of plans and everything, you know, like he's he's also just trying to be a player. He the fact that he went out and walked onto a red carpet by himself, gave a speech, which today I heard um, that it wasn't even teleprompted that he memorized it and gave a speech that was that powerful, that meaningful, um, literally surrounded by players and officials just staring at him in a circle and had the ability to go and do that is, I think people underestimate the fact that is such a big thing is such a meaningful thing for him to do and it was definitely necessary but i mean that for anyone is extremely scary and is very hard to do so the fact that he went out there and did that on such a a large scale about something that he he and we all should care very deeply about was amazing and to criticize him over certain semantics um, about it, whether you um, agree or don't agree, the fact that people, you know, just like we're cutting into little things about what he did, what he didn't do, what he said, and what he didn't say. You have to give the man props for standing up for a cause that he and everyone should rightfully care about, and the fact that he took his own time to put all that together and formulate it in such a beautifully written way and um, to represent so many people whose voices are unheard, especially in something like the NHL where, um, you know, the representation isn't always there. So um, I think big strides have been coming out, you know, like Players Tribune articles and stuff like that have been, um, things have been coming out this year that have never come out before and that this was just another large step in that direction and that um in the end if there's nothing else that you personally um can commend in this situation commend the man for going out there and doing that because it it, it's a big deal and that is something that will always be in the history of the sport and and good for him for doing it and that, uh, that's pretty much going to wrap us up here on this episode of Sporty with Corey and Richie with, again, the Coyotes taking a one nothing series lead over the National Predators in the qualifying round series, best of five. But before we go, some housekeeping, Corey. People can buy some Sporty merch. I got my, my couple of shirts in the other day. I love them. I'm, already, I'm wearing one right now. It says, it says good night and good hockey on it. It's my, my favorite catchphrase. I say it every time on this show. How can uh, how can the Sporty Nation cop their cop their hands, put their hands, buy some Sporty Nation merchandise? How can you get your filthy little paws 
Uh huh. Pause on. Um, I'm sorry, I'm getting very corny, but uh, on our merch is you can go to Sporty with Corey and Richie dot um, whatforapparel.com and go and get all sorts of stuff. There's there's hoodies, there's t-shirts, there's tank tops for the ladies, there are masks. We just came out with some masks. Um, a, a new design just came out that is um, that we put out that says uh, Yotes Summer Hockey 2020 because um, who knows if we will ever get summer hockey, especially playoff hockey, ever again. Um, so, you know, we got to represent that while we can because summer here is not like summer everyone everywhere else, especially after seeing all the people that were watching their games outside. No way in freaking hell here in Arizona unless you're laying in the pool. So um, those are brand new. We've got a bunch of different stuff in a bunch of different colors. If you guys ever want... Uh, you know, a different design, something else that we, uh, short of me putting um, panty melting on a shirt, we will do that. So um, don't be afraid to reach out to us and, and let us know what you need in the store. But, you know, we would love for you to go and um, buy yourself some sporty merch and, and rock it around town because we love our sporty nation and we um, would love to see you guys out and about wearing those. And with that, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Corey underscore Richie Show on Twitter at Corey Richie Show on Instagram. Follow the network at HockeyPodNet, Twitter and Instagram. They have some giveaways going on. Check that out. Shout out to to uh, Tobias Reader for scoring a shorthanded goal in the game for the Calgary Flames on Saturday night. It was the game-winning goal for the Flames. It was the biggest goal of Toby's career. I'm so happy for him. Yes, I had to sneak that in there. Can't wait to talk to you guys again after games two and three, which are coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday. Exciting times to be a Coyotes fan. Exciting times indeed for the Arizona Coyotes. And um, until next time, good night and good hockey, everybody.